Okay. Good evening, King of Kings. I have to take a deep breath here. It's amazing that this day has arrived. And as you heard there, our family next Sunday will be stepping to the airport and heading back to the United States after 16 years of living here. Beginning a new season, a new journey for us. And I just want to say to our community, our local community, we, Nikki and I both have been just overwhelmed by your love for us, for our children, um, by your prayers for us through this season of, as we're processing through this transition. Um, and that you would just continue to pray for us as we step into these next days and just continue to keep us in your prayers. Uh, we are excited. Uh, we are excited about where God is leading us. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight in our message. But uh, just continue to keep us in your prayers. And again, we are so grateful for this community. You have meant so much to us, so many of you. And if you have stuff to pick up, pick it up by Monday. <laughs> Side note. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> so tonight... <laughs> We're going to look, we're continuing on in our Isaiah series, uh, highlights from Isaiah. We're going to be looking actually at a text from Isaiah chapter 30. But before I do that, I wanted to do something a little different. You know how sometimes you have something in your head, and I hope this goes as well, as well as it is in my head? We'll see here. But my message title is simply this, Are We Listening? Okay, Are We Listening? And anybody ever seen the American game show, Wheel of Fortune? Okay, you know how the game show starts? They say, Wheel of Fortune, you know, dun, 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 and the song starts, right? So what I'm thinking tonight is, I, there's, a, there's a line here I'm going to say, but the question is, and we say, are we listening? Can we practice that one more time? Okay, here we go. Can you just humor me? Come on. I'm leaving the country. Just humor me tonight, all right? Okay, so on three. So the question is, are we listening? Okay, that's awesome. One more time. Ready? The question is, are we listening? You guys are awesome. All right, that's good. Okay, so to start things off, I'm a visual learner. I, I like pictures that help me to capture concepts and ideas. Uh, when I was in high school, I hated math, but I loved physics. It doesn't make any sense, really, you know, but I hated math because you just put an equation in front of me. I'm like, why do I care? I don't care about math. But if you gave me physics, like if I, if I knew John was standing on a 30 high meter building and he had an orange that weighed about 130 grams and, and you wanted to know how fast was that orange going when it hit the ground, well, okay, I could, I could make sense of an equation because I could see it as a picture. But if you just give me, give me the equation for acceleration, I don't really care. But man, you give me a picture and man, I can grasp that. So that's how I was as a learner. So tonight I want to just use an illustration. And as you know, Yeshua in his teaching often used parables, used illustrations to help communicate the idea of what he was trying to, to teach to his followers. So the image tonight that I want to set up for us and to get in our minds is before we get to our text is I want you to picture the development of a child, okay? Uh, a child from birth and, and then the development process. And I, I wanted us to look at a little bit of history before we get to Isaiah that kind of shows us a development of the nation of Israel. And then it leads us kind of to where, at least in my opinion, and maybe you, you might agree with me, maybe not, where at the time of Isaiah the people of Israel were in their development like a child as a people. So as you know, we just celebrated Pesach. <clears throat> 
which commemorated the, the exodus from Egypt, God bringing the people out of, out of Egypt. And also, we remember as believers, we remember the death of the Lord. And then on first fruits, we have celebrated his resurrection, right? That was not too long ago. But now we're in this season of the counting of the Omer, which Pastor Chad did the blessing. We're counting 50 days up to Shavuot, yes, to the Shavuot, which what was happening there at Shavuot is the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai and God gives them his commandments and they agree, okay, yes, God, we will abide by your law. And God says, okay, you will be my people. And that is the birth moment, okay? So that's the baby's born. So then we go on from there. We have the wandering in the wilderness. Then we have the entry into the land of Canaan under Joshua and then the settling of the land and, and the challenges they faced as they were taking the land as their possession. And then we stepped into the time of the judges. And at the time of the end of the judges, I'm going to call this the terrible twos. I'm going to call this the terrible twos. You with me? Let me, let me just read something to you here. This, I found this online. This is funny. Um, here's some characteristics of the terrible twos. The terrible twos characterized by defiant behavior, including saying no. Anybody heard that one before? Hitting, kicking, biting, or ignoring rules. And it can start as early as just after the first birthday or may not set in, in, into a, a child as about three years old. And then the Mayo Clinic said this. The, the, they're eager to do things on their own, but they're beginning to discover that they are expected to follow certain rules. And the difficulty of this normal development can lead to inappropriate behavior, frustration, out-of-control feelings, and tantrums. Let me read to you the last line of the book of Judges. And I think they have it. They can put it up on the screen. Here it is. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did whatever he wanted. All right. Okay? Are you with me? I was reading a story, actually. There was this mom. Uh, she had a three-year-old daughter. She had moved out from the city to a rural area, and they, didn't, they were far away from any, they didn't have any neighbors close by, so it wasn't going to be easy for her daughter to go run for help if she needed something. So she wanted to make sure that her daughter uh, knew how to call emergency services if there was something that happened. So she spent time training her daughter, teaching her, you know, what to do if there's an emergency, the number to call. In America, you call 911. Uh, and anyway, uh, so... She goes through this whole process, and she feels good about what she's taught her. Again, remember, this is a three-year-old. What she's taught her three-year-old daughter. So she decides one day, I'm going to quiz her. And so she asked me to read the question. She says, she asked her daughter, okay, what do you do if you found me on the floor and you couldn't wake me up? Ask her daughter. She said her daughter looked up at her, and she could just see the wheels turning, like processing, thinking. <laughs> and her daughter looked up at her mom, and she said, I would go into the kitchen and eat anything I want. <laughs> and there you go. There's the terrible twos. Right? Sorry, Mom. Can I eat anything I want? Okay? So from there, we move on to the time of the prophet Samuel. And then we step into the golden age of the kings of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon, and for me, this is like the happy five to six-year-old. If you've been parents, you know, like this is the time when your kids are like, yes, mommy, sure, I'll do that. Yes, daddy. They're like very compliant. They're learning. They want to help. And this is like the goal. This is where all the good memories come from. <laughs> 
And I want you to think, seriously, think about how many good memories the people are looking at. Like King David, that was the, that was, you know, these are where the good, happy memories come from, right? And so this is that period. And there's peace, there's prosperity, there's this age of, of prosperity and joy and safety. And then we continue there through the time of the good and not so good or great kings of Israel. And then into the divided kingdom. And then we come to about between 150, let's say 150 and 200 years before the end of the kings of Judah is where we find Isaiah. Okay? This is where we find Isaiah. We know that Isaiah prophesied through the reigns of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And he probably lived a little long, longer past Hezekiah. And I'm going to call this season that we find Isaiah Israel's preteen or young adolescent stage. Okay? <clears throat> Let me read to you some characteristics of preteens. Significant social and emotional growth gives preteens an increasing sense of independence. This, listen to this, this is key. This feeling of independence means they place greater importance on the world outside of their family. Let me read that again. The feeling of, this feeling of independence means they place greater importance on the world outside of their family. A few of the behavior characteristics of a preteen, disrespectful behavior, sibling fights, high levels of peer influence, bullying, parties, and risk-taking. Listen to how the book of Isaiah begins in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised children, meaning time has passed. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Here we are, preteens is where we find Isaiah. They have come to the age of disrespectful, disrespectful behavior and sibling fights. It's a people who fight and lie and take advantage of one another. The age of high levels of peer influence, a people who are more concerned with finding their place in the world and fitting in with the nations around them than with following the God who called them. The age of wanting independence from rules and instruction and having a willingness to take unnecessary risks a people defiantly confident that they can make it on their own without God. And that's where we step into our chapter tonight. So if you will, turn with me to Isaiah, if you have a device, your Bible, Isaiah chapter 30. I'll read verse one. Isaiah chapter 30, verse one. This is our text. Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. In verse two, they set out to go down to Egypt without asking my advice in order to take shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame and refuge in Egypt's shadow, your disgrace. So it's as if God is rebuking these, pe these preteens <laughs> for thinking they can do something on their own. You don't, you don't ask me. You just decide, yeah, we can do this, God. We can make our own alliances. We don't need you. But their plans, God says, will come to become their own shame because they won't work. 
And then in verses four through seven, God continues to reiterate the worthlessness of their hopes of making an alliance with Egypt. He's like, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. You're not listening to me. And then moving down to verse eight, I wanna read this from the Message Bible because I, this language is intense. <laughs> and for me in English, the Message Bible pulls it out in, a, in an amazing way. I want to read this next section, Isaiah chapter 30, beginning of verse 8 from the Message Bible in English. Here it goes. He says, so go now and write all of this down. Put it in a book so that the record will be there to instruct the coming generations because this is a rebel generation, a people who lie, a people unwilling to listen to anything God tells them. So go now and write it all down, he says. Make it permanent. Make it permanent. Put it in a book. Because this is something that God wanted to make sure that the lesson of it gets learned in the future. And he tells Isaiah, go write this down so that future generations would not become a people unwilling to listen to anything God tells them. This is a hugely important lesson. We're going to look at this. Continuing on in chapter 30 and verse 10, listen to this. They tell their spiritual leaders, don't bother us with irrelevancies. They tell their preachers, don't waste our time on impracticalities. Tell us what makes us feel better. Don't bore us with obsolete religion. That stuff means nothing to us. Quit hounding us with the Holy One of Israel. And that phrase, I want you to catch this. That phrase, that last verse 11, that they've translated there, quit hounding. There's a word that's taken from the root of Shabbat. And they're literally saying, give us a rest from the Holy One of Israel. That's serious. Quit talking about him. Give us a rest from this God. What I find totally amazing to me about this is that in the midst of this, in the midst of this rebellious preteen, God continues to speak. God continues to speak. In fact, God continued to speak throughout the life of Isaiah, and he spoke through prophets after Isaiah, through Jeremiah and others, God never stopped speaking to his people. But the question is, are we listening? That's the question. They had stopped listening. listening. And what, I've, what I see here is that Isaiah, as an example, was. Isaiah was listening. And that brings us to the first key point that I want to bring out to you tonight. You guys, you can go ahead and put it up. Our first key point tonight is this. Listening is the first step of obedience. And in fact, Pastor Chad has said this many times, and he's referenced this. In Jewish thought, there's actually no difference between listening and obeying. In Hebrew... The word shema both means hear and obey. 
the interplay of the word. It gives both. So there's this, this idea that listening is a first step, but it's combined with, with action, okay? So there's clearly a direct connection between listening and obeying, but this first step of obedience is listening. As many of you know that about Hebrew, also I found, this was interesting to me, that in Greek there's a similar connection. Pastor Wayne, maybe you know this. But in Greek, the word for hear, akuo, and the word for obey, ipakuo, it comes, ipakuo comes from the same root of hear, and it literally means to hear under. So even in the Greek, there's this tie in this relationship between hearing and obeying. But the point is this, in God's mind, hearing and obeying are one and the same. And it begins with listening. Now, again, our, our picture is like a preteen. I, this just happened the other day, and I don't like to always tell on my children, but... but <laughs> And if you've had kids, you know this. There are times like we had a situation where one of my kids was like, just stop talking. I don't want to hear you anymore. You've had it, yeah? Just stop. Just stop. I don't want to, anybody ever had that kind of conversation? Just stop talking. I don't want to hear you. And, and this is where it's come to. This is the language. This is what's going on. This is the people of Israel. Just stop talking about God. We don't want to hear it anymore. We don't want to hear it from you. Just quit talking. And they were acting like, we know what God, God, we know what you expect of us. We got this obedience thing down. Just leave us alone. We don't need to listen any longer. We know what we're doing. And that's, that's kind of like, you know, like you say to your kids, like, give an example. Your, your kid is going to do something. You say, hey, hey, come here. And they're like, uh, don't, I, I got it, Dad. Don't worry about it. You know, or whatever. You know, they just kind of walk off. Like, you didn't listen to what I was going to tell you. This could have been good. You know, you need to stop and listen because you don't know what I'm going to ask you to do unless you stop and listen. Anybody ever had that experience? And this is kind of where I, I think this is at in this time frame. So my prayer for us is that God help us not to become a people who stop listening because we assume we already know what God desires from us. Help us not to become a people who just say, yeah, I know, God, I know, it's good. I know what you want, it's okay. We can't stop listening to God no matter how long we've been walking with him. Before Isaiah could have begun speaking any word, he first had to listen and hear from God. See, other leaders of his day, yeah, they were basically, okay, what do the people want to hear? Okay, let's say that but it wasn't truth. But Isaiah first had to be listening and paying attention to hear God, and then he spoke. Now, Nikki and I have been through, my wife Nikki and I have been through a few seasons of transition on our lives. <clears throat> and each time through these transitions, we tried to remain in an attitude of listening to God. You'll sometimes come in your life to a point where, Pastor Chad said it to me one time, it's like the cloud is lifting. <laughs> like the glory cloud is lifting and you sense something's urging you. Maybe it's time to move. And my wife, in those, my wife and I in those seasons, we have tried to say, okay, God, what are you speaking to us? What are you leading? Where are you leading us? 
What do you want us to be doing? Where do you want us to go? And I'll tell you when this is the most difficult from my experience. This is the most difficult when life is good. See, when things are hard, none of us are like, oh God, please keep me here. Please, please. I feel like, God, please move me. Come on, cloud, go. You're ready to go. But when things are good and you're like, this is great. This is where I want to be. God, please don't talk to me because I don't want to hear. Please, because I do not want to move. I'm afraid you're going to say something I'm not going to like. Right? Anybody been there? But we have to listen. We have to be listening. Even when it's good. I'll tell you a story in previous transition. And this is a true story. Before coming to King Kings, my wife and I had been with another organization for almost 10 years. And we had sensed that cloud lifting. We had sensed something beginning to change. We didn't, we didn't have any idea. We had no clarity. We didn't know what. And that time, honestly, at that time, we were thinking, okay, we'll go back to the United States. That, that's okay. That's where we're from, you know, it makes sense. We'll go back to the United States. So my wife and I, I was leading worship in an event and there was a young man there from Gateway Church and he was talking to my wife and he said, Ray really needs to come to this conference at Gateway Church. And I, I, my wife came to me one evening after the event and she said, you, you need to, I think you need to go. And I said, are you sure? <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, for my wife at that season of our life to say, you know, after this event for me to go away for a week, that was only God speaking. Okay, let's say that. Um, <laughs> so, I, I end up going to this conference at Gateway Church, and this is exactly how it happened, okay? I went to pray and seek the Lord. I got there, spent the first day praying, Lord, what do you want for us? Well, you know, my wife calls me on Skype. She says, do you hear anything? Nothing. Nothing. So I go to the church building there in South Lake, their main campus in South Lake, Texas, the first day of the conference, I pull up in front of the building. The worship pastor, the senior worship pastor is a friend of mine. Uh, I knew him well. And, and I thought, I pull up the building and I just looked and I said, God, it would be so easy to just come back to a ministry like this that's established. And, uh, you know, I know the people and it would be, I could just plug in and be a part of something. And if I have ever heard God speak to me in an audible voice, in my life, in that car, in front of that building, God said to me, that's not what I have for you. And I said, no. <laughs> that's how it happened. And no joke, I got out of the car. I walked into the building. They have a coffee shop in their lobby. I get in line, I figured I'll get a cup of coffee before the first session. I'm standing in line to get coffee and Pastor Wayne Hilsden comes walking across the hall to me. You remember that, Pastor Wayne? <laughs> and it turns out that the young man that was leading worship here, they had a visa issue, was gonna have to return early and Pastor Wayne said, hey, great, I'm glad I caught you. Uh, would you at all consider taking over leading worship for the congregation for a little while until we can find someone? Yeah, yeah. Some of you got that joke, didn't you? All right. <laughs> All right. But that's how it happened. Now, even in that moment, I wasn't listening. God was speaking, 
But I wasn't paying attention. I mean, it didn't hit me till about maybe six months later. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it now. But God was speaking. And he does speak to us. And that brings us to the second point I want to make tonight. When we hear from God, we have to be ready and willing to act. When we hear from God, we have to be ready and willing to act. Can you imagine how much courage it took Isaiah and the dynamic of that world around him to get up and speak? When people were saying, just shut up already. We don't want to hear about this. What courage that took. You see, Isaiah had to say yes to his calling. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send? Who will go for us? And what does the prophet say? Here I am. Send me. I'll go. I'll speak. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard for us? It's hard because we have to be willing to trust God. When we are faced with the reality of having to trust God, what we truly believe about him deep down will come to the surface. I'm going to say that again. When we are faced with the reality of having to trust God, we, what we truly believe about him deep down will come to the surface. Do we really trust him to be faithful? God, are you going to provide for me? God, are you going to take care of me? Who do you think I am? <laughs> Who am I to you? And this has really hit me personally in the area of provision. I don't know, just maybe as a man, but this has always hit me. And I think that's one of the most important lessons God has taught me in my time here in this land was to learn how to be dependent and to trust him completely. And I, I remember I was reading a, a book with my, my daughter recently about uh, a guy by the name of Brother Andrew. He was, the book was called God Smuggler, if you've ever read it. A man who smuggled Bibles into the former Soviet Union states when it was the Iron Curtain. And early on in his story, he talks about how many ways God taught him to trust completely for provision, to trust him. And I just think, God, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. And I would just, every time God would say, well, who do you think I am? Do you think I'm poor? <laughs> do you think I'm not able? I mean, we sang tonight, you are the same God. Well, did he change? Like, well, okay, you used to do that, but I don't know anymore. No, he's still the same God. He doesn't change. We don't need a just in case. We don't need an Egypt. We can trust God. See, this is what was happening here. But we need a just in case. We need to figure this out for ourselves. We need a, we need a backup plan. God said, no, you don't. You don't need a backup plan. Just trust me. Listen to verse 15. Moving down, Isaiah 30, verse 15. You will be delivered by returning and resting. 
Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. What? <laughs> I don't do nothing? You will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet. I, I, that word hit me. Why quiet? Why can't he say your strength will lie in confidence in me? Why quiet confidence? Because you're not talking. He is. You're listening. But then he continues on, but you're not willing. You say, no, we will escape on horses. Therefore, you won't escape. We will ride on fast horses. But guess what? Your enemy will be, your enemy will be faster. It's not going to happen. Until you learn to trust me, you're not, you're not going to find what you're looking for. Now you might ask this question, does God truly speak directly to us today? Maybe you're new to the faith. You're like, does God really speak to us today? And I, I want to close tonight with this next verse in chapter 30. Listen to this. Verse 20, the Lord will give you meager bread and water during oppression, but your teacher will not hide himself any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher. Do you know who that is? Yeshua. That's who that is. Your eyes will see your teacher. And verse 21, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Yeshua said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He speaks today. He said in John 14, verse 26, that the Spirit would teach us all things and remind his followers of everything that he told them. How can he do that if he doesn't speak? Who inspired the writers of the Bible? He speaks. He speaks today. The question is, one more time. The question is, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation that it gives us, Lord, the, the truth that it presents to us, that we can completely and wholly trust you, that we can hear from you in this day if we will just listen. So Father, I pray for every heart and mind here in this place tonight, God, that as they hear from you in the day-to-day, -day, or even in the big things, that Father, then, then they would find the courage to act and to be willing to say, here I am, send me. Lord, we thank you for using us for your kingdom and for your glory. That we, your children, and even in our rebellious state, God, that you take us and you grow us and you mature us and you make us into beautiful things. We thank you for that tonight. In Yeshua's name, amen. Pastor Chad.